minds. And here is your host, Gary Cachulio. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of Everything Imaginable. I am your host, Gary Cacciolillo. And before we get started, I want to thank everybody for listening and also thank the contributors to my show, who are executive producers Candace Sanderson, author of The Reluctant Messenger, and Ms. Aida, psychic and author of Who Do Justice Magic, binaural production engineer Damien Keller, author of Sounds Good, Sounds Great, monthly co-host Jared Murphy, author of It's Not Aliens, It's Worse, It's Us, and Kat Baldwin, author of The Forgiveness Workshop. And this show is being sponsored by Tarot by Ginger at tarotbyginger.com. If you are interested in contributing to this show, go to my website, everythingimaginable2020.com, and you'll find everything you need there. And now... Without further ado, our guest for today is the legendary Rob Shelsky. How are you doing? Not so sure about legendary, maybe infamous. Uh, by the way, are you aware that your sound completely faded out very slowly during your introduction? Yes. And then faded back in? Oh, yes. you are. I enjoy that very much. Okay. And, and the other thing is, it does not show up on the recording. It's just, I need a new digital recorder. Oh, is that what it is? Okay. All right. Yeah, I could use one of those as, my, as well. Yes. So, what are we going to talk about today? So, I've been thinking, what timeline are we actually living on? And can I change my timeline by using my mind? Okay, you're talking about like jumping from one quantum reality to another. Absolutely. Although I, I'm, I'm not sure if I'm happy in this reality, and I might want to switch to another one. Yeah, well, most people aren't happy in this reality can, can, right can, can now. You, can you get me to a reality where the gas prices are lower? <laughs> no, but I might get to the one where they're higher. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> you do know that there is uh, someone out there who is selling... Um, CDs on how to quantum jump. I did not know that. Yeah, and or at least, very least, access your parallel minds in other realities to gain insight and information. I have a copy of the CDs. Does it work? No. It doesn't. <laughs> so, no. so, so you're still stuck in this particular reality of Bizarro Land. Well, you know, there's a lot of people that say that we're always time jumping. We're always timeline jumping. Every time you make a decision, you're creating a new timeline where that decision went one way rather than the other. And there's another timeline where it went the other way. So maybe all the time you're changing your timeline. Hmm. I mean, uh, I, it's, it's an interesting supposition. I mean, of course, we don't realize it because we're always, for us, it's a continuity. Right. But for others, it's not necessarily continuity. They see you as dying in this life, whereas you see yourself going on in another parallel reality where you didn't die. Right. It kind of makes yeah. sense to me. Like, like Almost like every timeline is that I'm moving through different timelines based on the choices that I'm making. There's another interesting side note to this. This would mean, or imply, and I've never heard any scientists say this, but it, 
It's logically a progression from that point. If every decision we each make personally changes our timeline in relation to others, then each of us has our own personal timeline we're traveling down. Right, which, which also kind of makes sense because each of us is creating our own reality with our own consciousness since nothing is real to begin with. Exactly. And also, do consider that 95% of the universe is unknown. It's composed of dark matter to a certain degree and to dark energy supposedly a great deal more. But that means that in our reality, only about 5% of everything we see, touch, look at in the sky, everywhere, is what we perceive as reality. It's like we're living in a little blob of cream floating on the top of a cup of coffee. This is our entire world, this little blob of white cream. This is what we look around and we see up, down, all around. We don't realize that this coffee cup goes way down and there's another dark reality, and I don't mean dark in the negative sense, just unknown reality uh, that we do not experience because we're stuck on that little floating cream. Um, I think there's a real reason to believe that we may have a shadow world which exists simultaneously with our own, right. and it is not a separate dimension. You don't have to do something special to cross into it. We simply don't perceive it well. I think everyone has glimpsed and thought they saw someone out of the corner of their eye. This usually happens at night, not during the day, although sometimes, but by far at night. Even sometimes they think they see a pet moving out of the corner of their eye. They turn to look, nothing there. This happens a lot. If you were to go on YouTube, you would see a heck of a lot of videos about the shadow people. Um, there's one case in particular which I thought was stunning. It was a video of, I believe, a Mexican family on their porch. I think it was in Mexico on a dirt road. And whoever was filming it was right across the dirt road. And it was this whole family on the porch having a good time. A car raced by, or maybe it was another type of vehicle. I'm not sure. No big deal. But the people ignored it, just another car going by. And then this thing went by in a blur. I think it was sort of resembled a motorcycle or, a, you know, something two-wheeled. And you could just, it was almost instantaneous. And it just zipped by. And I thought, glitch? And then the man on the porch gets up, runs down into the road, and stares down into the road after it. And then he goes back to his party because he didn't see anything. This happens a lot more than we realize. Also, there seems to be crossover. We see things in the sky, uh, People in South and Central America are seeing what look like witches, mm -hmm. uh, that sort of thing. And I've seen some of the videos. They're fairly realistic, and they do rather resemble a witch on a broomstick, but always at a great distance. Right. Um, yeah, lights, that. UFOs. So let me put it to you this way. I think everyone at one time or other has looked at a picture that is an optical illusion. In the picture, you think you see a young lady with a hat. Then as you stare at it, you realize there's an old man instead. Or you might see a dog, and then other people might see a rabbit. This is pretty common, especially on Facebook. You see these illusions mm -hmm. all the time. Now, both of these things exist in real life in that picture. They're both there. Our minds only perceive one or the other, usually, until we recalibrate our minds to see the other one. And sometimes we manage it. Some people are not so good at that. But both exist in that picture. And I think the shadow world exists in our picture, our world, our reality. We're just not usually very aware of it. And it could explain a heck of a lot. That makes a whole lot of sense. You know, um, I mean, I, I have interviewed I think it was Mike Ricksucker, 
who who's a, like a, an expert on shadow people, and um, with the idea that 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 these that we're not looking into a parallel universe or a different reality is, is something I have not heard before. So what you're saying is that all we have to do is change our perception, and then we will be able to view this other part of our reality. Yes, and it might be the greater part. Uh, and by changing perception, it'd be similar in style to when you look at an optical illusion and there's two different things in it and you see one and you have to reorient your mind to look at it in a different perspective to see the other image instead. But um, it may be actually the greater reality. And I think we do it accidentally all the time. I'm actually writing a horror fiction book based on the idea called Shadow World. But I've also been researching it for my uh, next book, which is going to be a um, factual book based on the idea of, of the shadow world. I mean, it, what is it composed of? Dark energy, dark matter. Who are these creatures? There are numerous videos, again, that you can see, whether or not they're real or not, or hoaxed. Some could very well be hoaxed. Others, not so much. But they do seem to have a physical effect on our reality. I mean, there was something that raced it down that road in Mexico that caught the attention not only of us viewers, but whoever was in the video, one man also saw it. The rest didn't seem to see it. They just sort of ignored it and went right on. But he really did jump up and run down and look. I would love to catch that video again sometime. I've seen it twice, and now I can't find it. Things come and go on the Internet. But um, the, the, there's implications for this. Does this have anything to do with the idea of magical, so-called magical creatures, all this paranormal stuff, everything from... Uh, uh, I don't know if you've ever heard of it, but I think it's called the Vegetable Man. No. His head looks like a stalk of celery. It's a type oh. of cryptid, apparently. The Dog Man is all sorts of these oh, things. Yeah. And they do seem to cross over and have an effect on us. Now, are they a part of our reality? Yes. All of this would be a part of our reality, but it would not be a part of our reality we could normally perceive. By the way, it seems to come out in darkness quite a bit, more than in daylight, although sometimes in daylight, too. But um, so the, the trick here is, is how do we do it? Do we even want to do it? What are the repercussions and what conclusions can we draw from it? That's always the hard part. It's like UFOs. For 70-something years, the government denied UFOs existed at all. Now they finally admitted they exist. So we go to the next step. Okay, then what are they? Who are they and why are they here are the next logical questions. Do they present a clear and present danger? Hmm. So do you think that things like UFOs or, or, or people who are able to view into the shadow, um, the shadow which is like, you know, existing alongside of us, not separate from us, um, that, that people that are able to perceive it are people that are willing to perceive it and the people that are not willing to, to do that? Do not perceive it? I think that one's predisposition mentally does have an effect on what one sees, just as one's predispositions for looking at an optical illusion in a picture uh, affects what you perceive. Uh, I think some people do it accidentally. Um, let me ask you a question. Have you ever caught a glimpse of something out of the corner of your eyes that moved and then you turned to look really quickly and nothing was there? Oh, of course. Absolutely. Not just outside where it might have been a car or a dog, but inside your house as well? Yes. Yeah, I think almost everybody has. Maybe this is just a physical aberration that we all experience together, and maybe it's not. 
Maybe it's something else. Yeah, I had an experience once. It was a, it was a daytime experience, but we were at my brother's house, and he had like screen doors on both sides of his house. And we were sitting there. It was like a family gathering. And uh, and me and my grandmother were sitting next to each other. And we both saw like, like this ball of energy just come in one door, go through the house and out the other door. And we were both like, wow, what is that? And nobody else saw it, though. And we were all in the same room. They didn't see it at all? No. So probably it was not ball lightning in that case. Right. The other people were looking at it and didn't see it. Exactly. So, it, again, it's a matter of perception. Could it have been an orb of a dead person, you think? I have no idea what it could have been. I mean, it was very fast. It was very bright to me. It was obvious. And my grandmother was obvious. We were both like, you know, like it was like we had to dodge it, you know. Uh, but well, nobody else saw it. I'm guessing you have some kind of theory or a hypothesis about what it might have been, though. Um, yeah, I mean, I, th- I think it was probably something that some type of consciousness that came out of a portal moved through the, that that area of space at that particular time and we perceived it and the other people didn't and maybe we perceived it because we were possibly more open to those type of possibilities because my grandmother was a very open person like me okay uh now the thing to remember here is these things may be an integral part of our own reality For instance, our galaxy stays together pretty well. Theoretically, the center of the galaxy should rotate faster around the central black hole than the outer edges. They should be going slower, according to everything we know about gravity. Mm -hmm. But they don't. The outer stars, the very edge of the galaxy, spin around just as fast as the center stars do. They don't lag behind. Now, that means that something's missing. That missing would be dark matter. Now, that means that dark matter is a reality, it is in our universe, and it is affecting our entire galaxy. But we can't see it, we can't feel it, we can't taste it or touch it. And we're having a heck of time time trying to discern what it is for that reason. But it's there, and it's affecting us. So everything that we call the paranormal may simply be the other side of our own reality, the part we don't perceive. Any more than when a fish in the ocean looks up, upward, it doesn't see the sky, it sees its the reflection of the surface of the water back at it, a silver reflection of itself. It doesn't know what's beyond that barrier. It's all there. It just can't perceive it. And I think that's what we're dealing with here. And I guess some people may be more open to it and some people may not be. How much of it is a mental thing? How much of it is a ability to perceive it physically? I'm not sure. There definitely seems to be something going on there. So how about yourself? Have you had any experiences with this? I mean, obviously, I think you probably have because you're writing books on it. What have your experiences been with this shadow reality? Uh, yeah, I, I've had a number of experiences. Um, I have cats. It's a condition I suffered from all my life. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I'm friends with you on Facebook. <laughs> yeah, but uh, not by choice necessarily, but they're here. <clears throat> so sometimes I'm sitting or standing in the kitchen or the living room, and out of the corner of my eye, I see something jump up on the arm of a chair. I have three TV lounge chairs. And I turn to look, and there's absolutely nothing there. And sometimes it's bugged me so much I've gotten up, looked under the chair, behind the chair, around the chair, even in adjacent rooms to see if something had jumped and then run off. Nothing. There's nobody there. All the cats are sound asleep, lying in different spots. Can't account for it. I have seen the shadows or shapes of people out of the corners of my eyes at times. Just glimpses. And... 
sometimes when I'm outside at night, even in my own yard, I get the distinct impression I'm being watched. And by the way, studies have been done on that, you know, university studies. Mm-hmm. Human beings actually do have a well-developed sense of being watched when there's no way they really could physically know. But they have found that in these studies that people do seem to have an awareness of when they're being watched, even when there's no way they could know they were being watched. And uh, not everybody has the ability, but uh, most people seem to have it to some degree. Have you ever felt like you're being watched? Oh, I feel like that all the time because I'm just a paranoid person now. I was going to say, you're, you're confusing that with paranoia. Yeah. <laughs> The government, but, uh, the government's all the time. The government is everywhere. I think the government is everywhere. If you want to know the truth. <laughs> <laughs> you know, just because you're paranoid doesn't mean they're not out to get you. So. I know. <laughs> <laughs> but what if UFOs are from this other reality? We think they're from space, another dimension. But what if they're an integral part of our own reality? Just a part that we are not normally aware of. And these physical interactions, when we see them, is because they're using technology that makes them visible in some way or other, either intentionally or otherwise. Mm. We simply don't know about UFOs, what they are or where they come from. Lots That's of true. theories. You know. So do you think that dark matter and dark energy are proper terms to use to describe this unknown matter? Well, they have the unfortunate connotation of sounding negative you know Mm -hmm. dark matter dark energy they just simply mean what you just said unknown it's dark to us because we don't know so we make it dark just like the shadow world listen to how we describe that shadow world it's a world of shadows dark places dark things maybe it is maybe it isn't it's just the unknown you know in the case with the mothman he seemed to be able to see the future and see where catastrophes were going to occur and that really bothered people. But again, it's just a matter of perspective. If you lived in a valley all your life, and I've used this example before, between a high set of mountain ranges on both sides of you, you would not see very far. Your whole world would be that valley and the mountain ranges that you see. However, if you climb to the top of the mountain, you would suddenly realize that there's a great big world out there. You may have never seen it in your entire life, but there it is, just a change of perspective. And they think that's how the Mothman might see the future. We are limited by our own linear timeline. He may exist in a way that that's not a problem for him. So, again, a lot of this seems to be a matter of perspective and consciousness. Many quantum physicists and physicists are now arguing that reality may be the product of consciousness. Oh, absolutely. If we are a product of consciousness, and let's say, let's go back to the Mothman idea of how he was able how this type of consciousness or whatever it is cryptid i don't know is able to perceive the future what if we are a manifestation of the mothman's consciousness he's creating us within his own mind okay now you sound like you're um rehashing or discussing hinduism which believe that um Everything we are is a dream within a dream of a god sleeping on a lotus blossom Mm -hmm. in space. And therefore that nothing is real. The truth of the matter is nothing may be real as we think of it being real, being solid. We're pretty sure that's the case. Quantum probabilities, we may actually be existing in a sea of probabilities at every instant. I think. 
but not as a human being, like swimming through that, but we are a probability ourselves, mm-hmm. most likely outcome of prior events. Mm-hmm. That can change. There are cases where people appear and disappear. Throughout history, this has been going on. Actual, pretty well verified cases. And we can't account for how or why that's happening. And I don't just mean abducted. I mean people who physically seem to disappear from our reality. Now, did they disappear or did they just cross over into the other side of our reality? Still our reality, but just not available to us and maybe not to that person once they crossed over. There's been a number of cases. The case of a man who was betting on a race in England, ran ahead of some people in a horse and cart, tripped and fell forward, disappeared, gave out a horrible scream and disappeared. The people were just a few feet behind him in the horse and cart. They saw it happen. They reported it to the police. Major investigations by the constables. Never did find him. Never heard from him again. Just simply vanished. Hmm. And that has happened many times. People are out in front of their house. There's a hedge with a driveway on either side of the hedge. The person is seen walking past the hedge. Never comes out the other side. People run out to see where the person went. Like, did they go straight away from the house, across the field? Nothing happens a lot more than we realize. And people also appear, not just in other places, but sometimes apparently in other times as well. So reality, time, and everything. Now I know we're getting very metaphysical. Mm-hmm. Maybe constructs, they may be illusions. If you are a probability swimming in a sea of probabilities, maybe the way you view it is the only way that you can logically view it as a physical thing around you because you're part and parcel of the whole program. I use this example a lot. If you're a ghost and you're living in a ghost world with other ghosts, it probably seems quite real to you. Everything would seem perfectly not solid and normal. You could no more walk through another ghost than another ghost could walk through you. So I think this might be true of our reality as well. It seems to be a consensus reality to a very large extent. We all seem to be agreeing that this should be reality. But does that always hold up? I'm not so sure at all. Interesting. Uh, if people disappear from this reality, when they enter another reality, do you think that you would be aware of it? Or do you think that you just pop into a different timeline or things are just different based on a single decision? Well, again, I'm not so sure it's another reality, but just maybe an unseen part of our own reality. <clears throat> just as you're in that floating in that uh, creamer on the top of a cup of coffee. Mm -hmm. That's your reality as far as you know. But, I mean, it isn't all of reality. But um, as far as timelines go, if we are making decisions that switch our timelines all the time and everyone else is doing the same thing, that could account for a lot of it, and you wouldn't be aware of it any more than you're aware that you just reached for a cup of coffee Mm -hmm. or maybe didn't. Uh, To you, it's just a continuity of your own reality. And I think that's because reality is not nearly as substantive as we think it is. I think reality is probably much more malleable and probably much more flexible. And maybe even our very concept of reality is simply way off the charts. It's just maybe terribly wrong. If that is the case, that, 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 you know, how can we use that to our advantage? Can, 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 I mean, like, you know, like all those other stuff about law of attraction and manifesting and and, and all of that. Do, do you buy into that? Do you think we're just, we would be able to choose our probabilities or limit it to probabilities that we're going to head towards? Um, I have 
tried very often with doing positive affirmations, <clears throat> especially younger in my life. And I thought it often brought good results. But as you get older, you realize that positive affirmations may or may not be working in, real, in reality. Um, and also, if it's a consensus reality, it isn't just what you choose or want. It's what other people choose and want around you. If you walk into a grocery store and some idiot starts blasting with a gun and you die, you're dead. And you didn't create that reality. Other than the sense that you made the choices that brought you to that point in time and space where that occurred. Do we make the choices? Are we where we should be because of those choices? I'm not sure it's where we should be, but it is where we are. If you get hit at an intersection by a car crossing the road, you made all those choices that led you up to that intersection at that point in time and space. Now, did you know the consequences of it? No, but then we rarely seem to know the consequences of our choices. Hmm. Do you think that um, – so, again, the, the, the collective reality, um, where, like, say, say that's what it is. This is the result of uh, a group of consciousness agreeing on – certain rules and certain constructs and and decisions being made um then we would all have to agree to change the reality therefore one person using trying to use their consciousness to manipulate their own reality is not going to work that we have to get other people to agree with it it may work to some extent and it may be different with different people as to how much it can work they have done studies and the internet and they did um, quite an intensive study on um, how people felt about things and how it seemed to change reality accordingly, or if it could even. And they found that when enough people uh, were found to be in the same node as having the same feelings about something, it often changed that situation quite a bit. It may be that uh, you called it a collective reality, which is good, but I think consensus reality is better mm. because it's what we all agree is reality. But apparently, if enough people change their mind about something, then matters can change. One really old example was in the late 1980s, I think it was, or early 1990s. They had what they called the harmonic convergence. And all the New Age people got together in all those places that were supposed to be sacred. And they all, and I'm being a little flip here, but they all held hands in circles. And they thought good thoughts and good feelings to become part of the harmonic convergence. At the time, we all just thought it was crazy New Age people doing what crazy New Age people do. But oddly enough, it was right at that exact time, right after that occurred, that the Soviet Empire fell. A lot of companies, uh, countries became independent, like Poland, the Czechoslovakia, now the Czech Republic, Slovakia, all became independent and free and democratic. And the Soviet Union itself fell and was replaced by what for a while was a democracy. Hmm. So... That could just be a crazy coincidence, or it could be the result of masses of people, and it was all around the planet people were doing this, that uh, it could have been the result of a, of a consensus to alter the future for the good. Because that certainly was a good thing. Maybe we should do that again, because I think right now we're having like a, a discord conversions. Well, that works too, and I think we've had that for the last several years, unfortunately. It seems like I'll be quite honest. The last three years, you could erase from my life, and I wouldn't miss them particularly. Certain things in them, but overall, no. no. I mean, what with the pandemic, elections, pandemic, and uh, now this Putin and the war, 
It hasn't been a great three years, has it? It's been terrible. Worst of my life. Yeah, supply line. I mean, I never thought in my entire life that the Soviet Union would fall. I grew, was born into it, grew up with it, and then suddenly collapsed. And I thought, wow, this is fantastic. I can breathe without worrying about nuclear bombs or dreaming about them in nightmares. And then all of a sudden, the last few years, things have just gone crazy. And are we wishing this on ourselves? I mean, all the movies I see anymore that are science fiction, 90% of them are apocalyptic in nature. Uh, the the uh, far right has become very ap apocalyptic in nature. Um, people have no sense of trust in their government whatsoever. Whether you're a Democrat or Republican, the amount of trust in our government is at an all-time low. It's bottomed out with regard to even Congress, uh, the Supreme Court. We have lost faith in the very institutions we created. And I think unless we change our perspective or our mindset, it's not going to get better. I think when you expect the worst, you might just get the worst. Hmm. Do you think this is a manipulation by the media and by forces or whatever it is that's behind the media? I, mean, I, don't know. I think the media is highly overrated as far as the power people give it. It has one great power, and that's as an echo chamber. Whatever people suddenly seize on, the media will expand on and explode on and keep reporting on because that's what's popular at the given moment. Whether it's the Ukraine, whether it was President Trump, whether it is uh, the supply chain problems, whether it is the breakdown of the Soviet Union, whatever. It first comes to light these days on social media, and then the media attaches onto that and expands on that uh, and multiplies it. It's a multiplier effect. But the media, I, I don't think the media is great at creating anything in that respect, but it certainly is great on capitalizing on these things. So it's just a mirror. Yes. It's a, well, a magnifying mirror, if you will. I mean, because whatever we think, say, or do, it magnifies tenfold. If we start talking about UFOs, the media will seize on it and beat us to death with it. And Or if, we, or if it's about a volcano, the media will start on that. Or earthquakes will start on that. Or celebrities. I mean, to this day, I am at a loss as to why Kim Kardashian is famous or any of the Kardashian clan. Uh, on one episode of South Park, they asked why they were famous. And they said, I don't know. They just are. There's no real reason behind it. So, and it's true. They are famous for being famous. And that's the media's doing. But it didn't start out that way. People got interested first, and then the media followed suit and expanded and magnified it. So if we're going to do make an effort to change, to make this particular reality better, where would you begin? Well, I'm not a religious person at all. Uh, I was raised Catholic, Me too. and I was a very happy Catholic child. I even attended a seminary for a couple of weeks to see if I'd like to become a priest a long, long time ago. Decided that simply wasn't in the cards, and gradually I just lost my faith. However, I do consider myself spiritual. And even more so, I think there's a lot of possibilities in the universe that we don't yet know. Since we don't know what 95% of the universe is, how dare we say what it is or what isn't? I don't know if there's an afterlife. I suspect there is some form of continuation of consciousness. The evidence seems to be coming in that there is. And quantum physics seems to help sort of promote that idea. 
It's almost as if science was going in one direction, religion in another, and now they're sort of circling back and coming together to a certain degree, at least on a metaphysical level. Mm -hmm. If reality is subject to consciousness, which all the physicists now say is true with regard to the split-screen experiment, that if you look at it, it behaves one way. If you don't observe it, it behaves another. Why is it that consciousness of, of what's happening changes what, what happens? Why is it we can change an experiment, the outcome of an experiment, after it's happened by changing the original parameters after the outcome's already occurred? But we can do it. It's called quantum erasure. So this sort of thing goes on and on and on. And so reality to me, again, is extremely malleable and flexible. And there's much more to it than we realize. So I'm not going to say that there is no afterlife. I'm not going to say that there is no paranormal. I'm not so sure it is paranormal and that it isn't just an unknown part of the normal. Hmm. Do, do you think well, <clears throat> we can think our way probably out of this mess? Well... If you believe what these studies have shown about the Internet, apparently, if we do it en masse, we can. Hmm. But if enough people want something to be so, it often becomes so. The laws of probability were used in this case, and they beat the laws of chance by 70. I think 75% of the outcomes that people wanted when they were acting in large groups, large groups, I mean large, large groups, hundreds of thousands, millions, seems to occur as opposed to when it's just one or two individuals. I'm not saying it doesn't work on that level, but I don't think it works as well. So, yeah, I think we can alter our future. I think we can alter reality. It may be as simple as changing our perception of the existing reality, or it may be that eventually we're going to see so much into it that our very idea of what reality is will be fundamentally altered forever. We're getting there now. We're getting there now. There are all sorts of scientific concepts that seem to rely on multiple universes, parallel universes, probabilities, all sorts of things. Uh, studies have shown that people, here's a good one. Back when the telegraph was brand new, they had to teach people. To, uh, have I mentioned this to you before? No. When they first had the telegraph, they had to teach people Morse code. The first few groups of people they taught the Morse code to, it was very difficult very time-consuming and lengthy. But then, as they kept on teaching it, each class that came after that got the subject matter much more quickly and easier. If you need more evidence for that, I would suggest The Holographic Universe by Michael Talbot, which he elucidates on these uh, uh, topics. And it was found that people seemed to be able to change the nature of how quickly people could learn simply by once having learned something, it made it easier for other people with no background or history in it, to learn more easily. Back in the 50s, no one understood Einstein's theory. Nobody, uh, scientists were called eggheads, and even though the Einstein, Einsteinian uh, theories of special and general relativity were constantly talked about, the average person had no idea. Oh, that's just eggheads. They couldn't mm -hmm. conceive it. When I was young, I asked my father what the sun was. He told me it was a burned-out planet. Well, things change over time. And they also change with regard to uh, how we perceive things and how the universe maybe functions. Uh, we lived in a happier place when it was the watchmaker's theory of the universe, when it was set in motion by a divine being and everything was just benignly ticking away happily. Now we know there are gamma ray bursts, there are massive, supermassive black holes, there are minor black holes, there are mini black holes. There are asteroids colliding with Earth and have done so a number of times in the past with the great extinctions. 
we live in a dangerous universe. It's a universe of probabilities, and we are just one of those probabilities. Right. Spooky, isn't it? <laughs> it, it, it? It's spooky in a way that if I look at it from a literal form, a literal point of view, yes. Like, oh, wow, like all these bad things can happen. But then it's not so spooky when I look at it as we're just a piece of consciousness that's not really existing in that even if an asteroid hits this planet and wipes everything out there's other versions of me living in other timelines and other parallel realities and and you know what's interesting though uh, that's popped in my head if an asteroid hits earth right and wipes out this what happens to the shadow existence well now there is a problem because we have no idea what it would do to the shadow existence. It might obliterate it as well. There's one theory that UFOs are crossing over from other dimensions because we're threatening the Earth. And the Earth plays a big part in all these parallel realities, as we call them. But if they're an extension of the same reality, and even if they're not, the destruction of the Earth and life on it might have a very traumatic effect that could reverberate not just into our own future, but across other timelines or to other portions of our own reality as well. So it may be that that's why we're seeing so many UFOs. You know, the count on UFO sightings has gone way up in the last few years. Partly because people aren't working or weren't, mm -hmm. excuse me, and they were also um, had more time, and therefore they were capturing more things on video. But also the sheer number of reported sightings is just going way up. It's uh, it's a little frightening. The unknown is always a little frightening because we don't know what it entails or what the outcome might be. But uh, as Edgar Allan Poe says, we live in a strange new world and we have no idea what it's going to be like. That's uh, absolutely true. Rather than a, a you know, say, say you know, we're, we're thinking as humans being a physical threat to all these different pop probabilities and stuff. What if the threat isn't a physical threat of us destroying the planet or anything, but what if it's our, our thoughts that are screwing up not just our reality, but other realities? Because we've become, that could well because be. we've become aware, like, oh, wow, we're, we're, we're thinking, we're, we're consciousness, and we're able to do these things just by thinking. And now all of a sudden we're experimenting with, 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 with that in a way that is dangerous to other parallel existences well that could well be i mean in our reality our thoughts come first and then the actions we take based on those thoughts thoughts exactly. change our reality and so that's the kind of world we live in it, the french use the, the verb fay which means to make it's their most common used word i believe in their language to make and it's what we do. We make things happen all the time. We create things all the time. These are from our thoughts. You ride in a car on a road, and you are gliding along about two, three feet above the ground. And there was a time when that simply didn't happen, didn't exist. Then coaches came along and then cars. We created that reality. The reality we see around us today is purely a result of our own creation, our own minds. Granted, we had to do it physically with our hands, but it was still created from thought. Now, can thought change reality without having to use a physical means? Um, yeah, it's quite possible. We have done studies that show that people who concentrate 
on slot machines and things can actually change the probable outcomes of random generators and that sort of thing to some degree. Mm -hmm. Usually it's not a great degree, but it has consistently been above the law of averages for some of those people participating. So apparently we do have some ability to react in our environment physically around us uh, by sheer thought, sheer force of will. Now, are these shadow people the same way? Are they, uh, when we see a ghost move a chair, rock a chair, all sorts of them on YouTube, you can look them up. Some are obviously hoaxes, some are not so hard to discern, some really do look legitimate. But if what we perceive as ghosts moving objects in our reality, are they really ghosts? Or are they other consciousness types of creatures that exist that we simply aren't aware of that sometimes can interact with our reality on a physical level? What about the mythology of the human race? Every tribe and nation on earth throughout history has had a mythology mm-hmm. of small beings, of goblins, of pixies, of fairies, leprechauns, call them what you will. They're very much alike in, in, in how they perceive these things. Were they really perceiving something or were they, was it just vivid imaginations? I kind of think that most of these things have to have some basis in reality. That it isn't just entirely people's imaginations and inventive storytellers. Because it's too widespread, too worldwide, and simply too endemic in the human species to have these things. Mm. Now, do we create gods of fire or lightning? Yes, we do. But haven't you ever wondered why in almost every culture in the world these gods exist in the skies? In some cultures they exist underground, and some gods mm. do exist in the ground. We have Hades, we have Pluto. But uh, it's often the fact that they seem to be creatures of the sky and that they will on occasion interact with human beings. Is this our verbal history telling us that there are beings or creatures that can interact with us and they may be a part of our reality and we just don't usually see them? Are we becoming more attuned to it and is that why people are seeing more UFOs than they used to? The ridicule is far less. The government has basically put their seal of approval on the idea that these things do exist. They don't know what they are. They don't want to say they're extraterrestrial and probably are not, quote unquote. And yet they exhibit sciences that we don't seem to have a handle on. And I'm pretty sure if America doesn't have a handle on it, then neither does Russia or China, because they're certainly not more advanced than we are when it comes to technology. In America, we came up with a transistor. We came up with a microchip. Uh, and all this sort of thing. So we've always been a people in the forerunner of technology. That's not to say other countries aren't either, like Japan, China, and not quite so much Russia. Russia is very good at trying to steal what other countries learn. They're very good at that. They even stole our microchip, and when we found one of them that they had made, it even had the signature of the um, programmer on the chip. They were so afraid not to copy it exactly, they even copied the signature this microscopic signature chiseled on the chip. So that gives you an idea. But yeah, we we exist in a reality that we don't know a great deal about. And we're still probing and we're still trying to learn. Now, can you just sit there and, and fantasize up an ice cream cone? Probably not. Could you, potentially? Yes, there is a very, very slight chance, a very, very small probability that you could. But it exists. And if it exists, that means in some reality, you've been able to do it. Hmm. Can you walk through a wall? You should uh, be able to. You can. 
but the probabilities of you doing it are so small, almost infinitesimally uh, small, that normally you would never be able to do it. But given enough time and enough repetition, maybe a trillion years or so, you could probably do it. Or if luck was in your favor, you might do it the first time right away. This we know because there is a small probability that you can do it, that the rules of nuclear force break down for an instant and you can pass through a wall. So these, the reason you are where you are right now is because that's the highest probability. There are lesser probabilities that you might be somewhere else at this exact moment. One of them is that you could be in the vacuum of space. Hmm. And maybe that's what happens to people who disappear. Maybe they're simply popping into another point in space-time. And it may not always be a good thing. Um, the UFO thing, like last time we talked, you know, you you were getting preparing to go speak at a, a, a MUFON event. Um, how does MUFON and some of the UFO community approach this? Like, how, what is their, how do they take this information? Are they open to it? Do they incorporate it into... Um, how they're researching UFO phenomena, um, or they disregard uh, the idea that UFOs might be popping from timelines, from other realities, from a shadow reality that's part of ours. What is their take? Um, I, I I think that, gosh darn it, my phone went off, sorry. I, uh, I'm getting an awful lot of spam calls, and I'm blocking them like crazy, but it still happened. I hope you can edit that out of this if you need to. But um, MUFON still is researching UFOs the same way. They still have their field investigators and their state directors, and they're assigned to go out and investigate reports of UFOs, UFO-like phenomena, whatever. Some of it's pretty wild, some of it's not. Some of it seems quite rational. But um, the flip side is, whereas I believe MUFON used to be very hardcore science about it all, mm -hmm. they have had a change in their uh, controlling powers. Their directors and i don't know about right now but uh a couple of years ago they had hired not hired but assigned a director to their board who believed that she was trans channeling like i think a sixty thousand year old alien who was long dead but she was still uh, able to be in touch with them that bothers me i i am open to anything and i would hope move on is too but if you can't show me evidence other than the person saying, yes, I say it's so, so it must be so, I don't buy it. I, uh, the basic rule of the scientific method is it must be a repeatable experiment that other people can do to prove that it's actually true. Anyone can say anything, and a lot of people do, and sometimes they're telling the truth, and quite often they are not, or they are under delusions of uh, something or other, or they just misinterpreted something they saw. But we can't take it for fact unless we can repeat the experiment or find evidence that what they said was true in some way. So is she in contact with an ancient alien who's been long dead from some other place or time? I don't know. And frankly, I don't care unless she can prove to me that she is. Because I cannot incorporate that into my worldview because there simply isn't any evidence whatsoever to support it. Now, I'm pretty open-minded, and I'm willing to consider lots of topics and subjects, including shadow people and the idea of a shadow world, because there seems to be some evidence, however scant sometimes, that this might be the case. Therefore, I can consider it. But if you told me that we all lived in uh, castles in the clouds, and we ate candy floss, and 
we sing hymns of praise. Unless you can prove that to me in some way, give me some evidence. No, I don't buy it. If we're living in a world of probability, um, would that mean that this is nothing more than some type of complex mathematical equation? You know, it's almost like like it reminds me of like 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 zip files. You know, it's like it's like an algorithm algorithm that, that just compresses all this data into a, into a file to make it smaller, and then when you go to unpack it, you're unleashing all these different probabilities. Well, a lot of scientists say that the universe is based strictly on mathematics, <clears throat> and some scientists are actually now saying, "No, that's wrong. The universe." is mathematics mm -hmm. it's not just based on it that it is mathematics everything you see do touch taste and smell the stars in the sky the rocks on the ground are all simply mathematics in which case now we're getting into what might be if that's the case then we might either be in some massive program started by some benign being or some scientists think no creator was necessary the program is just running how it started they don't say they don't care, but they don't think a creator was necessary for this particular program. Others say we're in a simulation, and there is some evidence to support that. So, I mean real evidence. I mean, there's correction code in string theory. Correction code, and I've mentioned this before on occasion, is a code that is used by search engines such as Yahoo and Google, same code, to correct errors in the transmission of data so that the data isn't corrupted and received in a corrupted way. Basically test the incoming data three times over to make sure that it's correct. That same exact code is in string theory. It's there. Why would the basics, one of the basic theories of the universe need correction code in it? Because it's a program that was created. Exactly. And if it was a program that was created, then are we a simulation? Are we running a program? I don't know. You know, like, I find it difficult to believe that we are part of some type of algorithm that's been created inside an actual device. Like we're part of a video game. That may part, not be in a I, device as we see it. it. May not be in a device of uh, you're picturing a mechanical computer. It, it, exactly. I I think I, I I do lean towards something organic, and one of the things that makes me lean towards like this idea is, um, for there to be nothing, there has to be something. So therefore, mathematically, when there's a, a zero, there has to be all the other probabilities, which kind of goes to that Buddhist concept of, of emptiness or nothingness. Well, there's uh, one scientist who thinks we might be living in a quantum dream. If you'd like more information on it, you can look it up on YouTube. He, um, he believes that there may be no realities we know it at all, that it's what you can call it a dream, a Hindu dream of someone sleeping on a lotus or the Buddhist idea of nothingness. Uh, of reaching a perfect state of nirvana, or it could be uh, computer programming running on some advanced computer in the future, or it could be that the universe itself is a computer program, that the thing itself is a self-running program that exists in its own right, independent of any creator or programmer. Uh, did it spontaneously come into existence? A lot of scientists think so with the Big Bang Theory. It's the number one theory right now. Uh, 
Or is it a cyclical universe that keeps expanding, contracting like a heartbeat? That's another big uh, thing. We're not mm-hmm. sure about that. And uh, dark energy seems to preclude that because we're ex- not expanding, but we're expanding faster and faster. Eventually, there should be the great rip where even molecules and atoms are torn apart. But um, that's if it were to continue. We don't know if it will continue. We just are in a tiny slice of reality and in space-time, and we can sort of check what's come before and kind of prognosticate, <clears throat> excuse me, to a certain degree what comes next. But there are no absolutes and certainly no real probabilities we can assign to these things. We simply don't know enough. We don't know enough about our own reality to describe it accurately. And if the quantum world is what the scientists, all the scientists are saying it seems to be, all bets are off. All bets are off. Does consciousness create a quantum reality or does quantum reality create consciousness? I don't know. I have no idea what's happening. Do we exist in the mind of God or have we created the mind of God? I don't know. Consciousness? I don't know. <clears throat> or I, I typically look at it as if a human being is able to think of it, since we're not that smart, it has to be possible or happening somewhere. Yeah, I would think, <clears throat> excuse me again, if something is possible, that we, if we can think of something, then it probably is possible. We thought that about black holes. When they first came up with the mathematics for black holes, they said, well, yeah, that's a mathematical construct, but it doesn't exist in real nature. It doesn't exist. Uh, it, it couldn't exist. It's, it's a paradox. Well, it turns out black holes do exist, contrary to what everyone thought back in the 80s. They exist, and they uh, are quite powerful, and they have quite an effect on our universe. It may be that black holes are responsible for galaxies and life. It may be that we're living inside of a black hole. That's another theory. If you look at the definition of a black hole, the universe's definition is exactly the same. Hmm. We live inside a bubble of space-time, which we cannot escape, which apparently has some sort of event horizon. And we may be three-dimensional holographs projected from a two-dimensional surface. Bingo. The exact definition of a black hole in layman's terms. Interesting. Yeah, I, I believe that, that that all probabilities, especially like the ones that we are able to think of, have to be true <coughs> in some level or some form. You uh, seem to be a very spiritual person. Uh, if I would be so bold, can I inquire if you do believe in any kind of uh, creator? I don't. My my answer to that is, I don't know. I, I mean, if we're if we're thinking about a creator, then a creator must exist. Whether that creator is the creator is the like the big question for me. You know what I mean? We've even in some ways probably have created this creator, like you were saying before, with our own religions and you know the consensus consciousness. Um. Or the collective subconscious. Right, right. So so therefore, yes, on that particular level. And but do I do I do I believe that there's a um you know something dictating rules, um lashing out, about lashing out punishments life. and stuff yeah. like that? No. Um But it would be dictating the rules of the universe, the basic content. 
constants of the universe. That's right. Of this particular universe, even. Because sometimes I, I think it's a bubble theory where there's different universes just living inside different bubbles, each with its own unique set of rules. The metaverse. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And that probably is true. Um, could God be unconscious? Absolutely, it could be unconscious. In fact, that's one of the things that I kind of go by is like that maybe this zero, this emptiness, this nothingness is trying to figure out what it is, like why it is nothing. And the only way you can do that is by creating every probable something and then having all that data return to itself. Could God be insane? Absolutely. Absolutely, God could be. I insane. would. I would. I would think that God could be very well be unconscious, uh, and maybe the result of our collective subconscious as human beings or all life in the universe. I'm not sure that I would consider him insane. The universe is a very logical, mathematically based frame of existence. Right. Right. But but on if, every level, but if this universe is sane, then it probably has to be an insane one too. Well, yeah. Again, again, I mean, again. We, you thought of it, you know. You thought of this idea that there could be this insane that God could be insane. So, therefore, if we're able to conceive of that, it probably exists somewhere. You remind me of a, a golden age uh, science fiction short story where a reporter was talking to some friends in a bar, and he said was, they were talking about weird experiences. And he said, "You know, I was writing a book and I was creating this universe, this world." that was half barbaric and primitive and half, half technologically advanced. And he said that I, it got to the point where I could imagine myself existing in it and maybe even being in it. And he said, and then one day I realized that I could wish myself into it, and I did. And the other reporters at the table said, well, how did you ever get back? And he looked at them and he said, I didn't. Yeah. <laughs> that, that's a great story. I love that story. story. Yeah, it, it is. It could, because that yeah. kind of is that, that that is our world right now. You know, I, I look around and I say that one of the things I ask myself all the time is, how could I be existing in a world with so much beauty and so much horror all at the same time? Wow, you and I are exactly alike. This morning, I looked out at the sky and the clouds and the greenery of all the trees, <coughs> the little kittens playing on my back deck because some feral cat decided to have them there. And I thought, how beautiful. And then I got to thinking about how not all those kittens would live to grow up and that my beautiful garden was actually a jungle and that things were being eaten or trying to eat other things all the time, just on a, not on a scale that I could see. Mm -hmm. And I thought, what kind of God could create such beauty and such horrors simultaneously? Is it necessary, like a matter, an antimatter universe, you got to have it both together for it to exist? Or is God insane? Or is he a lesser God? Is there a greater God? You know, uh, I believe it's the agnost not agnostics, but the Gnostics believe that there are two gods, and that it was the lesser God that created this world and all the problems in it. But the true creator, the true God, didn't do any of that. He is not responsible for the world as we know it. That it is a lesser being that did this. Mm -hmm. And I think it was the Gnostics. I don't, wouldn't want to be quoted on that, but I, I think so. And I think that's a very interesting idea. Uh, have you ever read a book by Robert Heinlein called Job, the Divine Comedy? No. About a man who's on a cruise ship. 
and suddenly finds himself on a life raft and then in all sorts of different places. He's bouncing from reality to reality with a woman that was a stewardess on the ship. And he's a devout believer in evangelism, born-again Christian. And it basically ends, or it doesn't end, but near the end, the rapture occurs. And he is holding hands to this young Norwegian woman who doesn't believe in God. She believes in the gods of the, of the Norse gods. And they're torn apart during the rapture. And he ends up in heaven. And he says, well, she's not here, so it's not heaven without her. So he voluntarily decides to go to hell. She's not there either. So now he files a complaint. And... It has to be taken to the greater God, not the God that created the universe. And apparently there's a stepladder of gods, one much more powerful than the next up the ladder, and he keeps taking his case higher and higher. Great book if you ever get to read it. It's, mm-hmm. um, it is comedic, but it has a lot to say. He's very telling in how he perceives these things. Uh, so here's another idea. There may be a stepladder of gods, or could it be that God is evolving? Yeah, I, I mean, definitely. All, all those probabilities are probably true. I, I never subscribed just one. <coughs> but one of my other questions sometimes is, <clears throat> will Rob Shelsky consciousness evolve to the point where it becomes a god? Maybe the human race is headed that way. You know, there's a Kardashev scale of civilizations, and we're not even at one yet. We're like... A, Point five six or something like that. But when you finally reach the top level of the Kardashev scale, and it's been modified, uh, you should have the power of all the energy of all the galaxies if they want to use it. And they should be able to basically do just about anything they want to, not even with a physical instrumentality. Mere thought should be able to create what they want. Is that not a godhood? And also you would be immortal. You would live as long as you wanted to. Your consciousness could go on as long as you wanted it to. So are we not evolving towards Godhood? Is that our the universe is a tough place. <clears throat> Earth is a tough place. Thousands of little animals are born and plants are born. Only a few ever get to grow up to be adults and to breed again. Frogs have thousands of tadpoles. Check my pond out front if you don't believe me. <laughs> but uh, not hardly any of them will live to grow up. Uh, the whole Earth is like this right up to the upper atmosphere. What makes us think it stops at the edge of our atmosphere? What if the whole universe is one big, vast series of petri dishes, all with life brewing it in different spots around it? And the whole point is that for one of them, just one or two of them maybe, to evolve to godhood, and that maybe the creator or the god that existed that created all this, this is his way of raising an offspring, the universe. That makes sense to me. If you were God, what kind of universe would you create? I, I'm not sure it, <clears throat> it would work, but I think I'd create a universe where eating other things that are alive doesn't have to be. I would create a universe where nothing would die, unless it chose to. If it got tired of its existence and wanted to die, it would die. And when it did, another being could then be born. But the population of anything and everything would always be stable and the same. And there would be no reason for barbarity, for theft, for greed. You might have it anyway. But I would like to see this kill or be killed, eat or be eaten universe change. And if God won't do it, I would hope that humanity at some point might have that capability to do it itself. We may be up from the mud. We may have feet of clay, but we reach for the stars. 
And if God won't give them to us, then we can just darn well wrest it from his hands on our own, if necessary. What other choice do we have? Are we going to sit around campfires outside of damp caves for the for eternity till we become extinct? Or are we going to fight for our survival and try to attain something more? That's what I think life is about, trying to attain something more. We were given this lot in life. We were given a caveman existence. We were given a horrible existence, disease, pestilence, starvation, murder, killing. It goes on all the time and continues to go on. But we're fighting it. We're getting better at it. For every two steps we take forward, we get one that falls back. For every time we do a League of Nations, we get a, a World War II. But we come out of it and we're better for it and technologically more advanced and we cure more things. And despite the mass ignorance that so many people have today and their anti-science, uh, and you know, in the 50s, we weren't anti-science. We were in awe of science. Now we're anti-science. And I think it's because we're afraid. We're a scared, scared human race. And we're afraid of what the future pretends. And science plays a big part in what that might be. And it doesn't always give us good news. So we blame the messenger. We kill the messenger. The average American has a and this is statistically true, has a horrible uh, ability to form, uh, make informed decisions that or have informed position, uh, opinions. They simply don't bother. They simply feel this and they vote on that. They simply feel this and they don't like what a scientist says, so it's not true. The earth is flat. The earth's not round, whatever. And it goes on and on and on. But even so, even so, we're getting better. We're growing. And if we can keep this up and pass the great filter stage, as some scientists call it, and survive that great barrier and get through it, we might just become gods. We might become the very first god or gods. That would be fantastic. <clears throat> um, Bit of a rant, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah, no, but, but you know, I, I mean, like, like that is like a very optimistic view. You know, for the future of, of, of our consciousness as as human beings that, you know, obviously we, we call ourselves human beings. I don't even know who, you know, <clears throat> what we are. Um, Why but, do we say human being? We don't say cat beings or dog beings or horse beings. We just say human being. Hmm. I always wondered that. I've always wondered why we call the earth earth. Well, we named it for the soil. Is that what it is? Sure. We're, 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 we've been agrarian now for thousands upon thousands of years, and we exist because of the earth, and therefore we call the earth earth. Mm. Oh, they call it terra in Latin, but terra is Latin for earth. <laughs> Interesting. Because, you know, all, everything else is named after gods, all the other planets and stuff. Yeah, that's true. And uh, even the moon, we yeah. call it the moon. And it's strange because all the other satellites of other planets are moons too. But uh, whenever we say the moon, we all know what moon we're talking about. And there's hundreds and hundreds of moons uh, in, the, in the solar system, yeah. thousands, I think. So, but there's no mistake about that. We don't even know about our own moon. It's been in our sky since time immemorial, and we have no idea how it got there, why it's so big, why it behaves the way it does, why it has the orbit it does, why its composition seems to be odd. There's so much we don't know about the moon, and it's only 250,000 miles away, approximately, give or take its apogee or perigee in orbit around the Earth. And uh, yet we, we are zooming out to Pluto and beyond. The human consciousness is curious. 
It wants to learn. It wants to grow. This is overall. Many people don't want to. They're, they're frightened. And I understand why they're frightened. It's a frightening universe we live in. I often think it'd be so nice to live in a time where we didn't have the danger of the end of the world hanging over our heads every second. I grew up during the Cold War, and I'm, I got so tired of that. And I'm, and we're living it now, and, and now it could be anything. And science is telling us about gamma ray bursts and black holes. Wouldn't the 1890s have been nice when the universe was well-ordered and our existence was ordained by God? Mm-hmm. Wouldn't that have been a nice time to live, to be so sure of your place in the universe? I suppose. We we're awfully smug, I think, but... Now that we're learning more, we're becoming much less smug and we're getting a lot more afraid. And that's a problem. Do you think it's important for humans to colonize other planets? I think we will colonize them to a point. I have a feeling that we're going to reach a point in our technology where that becomes superfluous. We're going to be like children at some point that just decide to put away our childish toys, our rocket ships and things. Right now, I'm all for it. I'd love a base on the moon. I'd love a colony on Mars. I'd love an interstellar ship flying to Alpha Centauri and Proxima B. I would love to explore the cosmos. I'd love to be on the first ship out there, even if it was one way. But there's going to come a point in time where we're going to pass that up, where the need to colonize the galaxy or the universe becomes secondary, where... At each stage of our existence, I mean, you no more want to play with your childish toys when you were five years old than you want to play with the stuff you did when you were 11 or 12. You still want to play tag? You still want to play blind men's bluff, musical chairs? No. Uh, and when you're a teenager, there's certain things that are absolutely, you've got to have. You've got to have that first car, that first pickup, whatever. Nowadays, for me, a car is just a means to get around. I like a nice car. I like the look of it. I like what it can do. But I don't have to have that particular car. It's not that important to me anymore. And I think that's happening with the human race. We're reaching the point where certain things are going to be put aside because we're reaching for something even higher. Mm. And I think we're getting to the point where it's starting to be time to put away our toys. And that includes wars. Haven't you noticed that almost every game out there on the Internet and in video is a war game? Yeah. Battle game. I have, yes. I mean, it's almost impossible to find a game that isn't that kind of a thing. It's always the same thing. How many people can you shoot? How many zombies can you shoot? How many rockets? How many spaceships? That's our mentality right now. At some point, we need to move past that. We need to grow more. And we are. It's in fists and starts, and it's a rocky road with switchbacks and loops. But slowly, if you look at the long-term trend of civilization, it has been upwards. It has its fallback positions, but it has, over the millennia, gradually progressed upward and upward and upward. Our views on religion, our views on philosophy, our knowledge in science, our technology, have all been, if you graph it over the long term of the last 10 millennia, has been upward. And it continues. And now it's speeding up to the point where we're reaching a technological singularity. And that scares people as well. Because when we reach that point, all bets are off. We won't be able to predict the next minute, let alone the next day, what might occur. And that makes governments frightened as well as people. I mean, the, the expand, and also that could be the great filter. Can we handle it? When it becomes possible for the average citizen to create harmful viruses, can we survive that? When it becomes possible for citizens to create things with 3D printers that are 
horrible mass destructive weapons. Can we survive that? These are the things we're all afraid of, and this is why we live in an age of fear. I wished it was the age of Aquarius, uh, of peace and harmony, but it seems to be more the age of fear. But perhaps that's because it's a change from one age to another. Perhaps we are growing, and growing is always a difficult process with growing pains. So do you think that before we are able to handle all these technologies for each individual that have access to that there needs to be some type of spiritual awakening? Oh, I don't think it would hurt. <laughs> I really don't think it would hurt at all. We, uh, we should take the best from the old religions and meld them with what's new. And we might have to have, you know, we think democracy is the best form of government and we despise dictatorships and authoritarianism. And we believe in the rights of the individual and freedom above all else. But unless we can grow intellectually, philosophically, and spiritually as a people, we would be like babies being handed a pistol, a loaded gun. Should we be allowed to? Who knows? Maybe the UFOs, they seem to be around nuclear bases, nuclear warships, all that sort of thing quite a bit. Maybe they're here to, to put the brakes on us just a little bit to keep us from going too far in the wrong direction. Maybe they are guardians. Maybe they are so. enemies. I'm not sure. You know, well, it'd be nice to think so, but I've seen so much death, destruction, and damage from UFOs. I can't uh, agree with that. Mm -hmm. I uh, I just don't uh, see the evidence is in, and the evidence is not good. In fact, just today I saw a news report that said there have been dozens of near misses with UFOs. They seem to delight in in messing with our air flights, including our airline passenger jets, not just military often and quite to extremes. I mean, any intelligent species or advanced race would know that if you're buzzing some primitive people's plane, mm -hmm. they might panic, do something wrong, and crash, and that would kill those people. But they do it. They have damaged property. They have uh, injured people quite dramatically. People have died. And not just by accident every once in a blue moon. Lots of people have died. And I'm not even counting the abductions where people are returned or the disappearances where they're never returned. So I don't know what's going on with UFOs, but so far for me, the jury is in and the end result is they're not our space brothers. They're not our benign friends. Have you ever heard of a, again, this is one of my examples of a UFO shining a beam of light into the woods to lead Hansel and Gretel out of it or to beam someone out of a burning house instead of just abducting them to perform physical experiments on? I haven't heard any of that, but by gosh, I've heard thousands upon thousands of cases of the other, the other way. And I know these because I was a MUFON field investigator for a number of years and was actively involved. Mm -hmm. So not just the fact that for 20 to 25 years now I've been investigating it, but I've also been a, an actual certified field investigator. And I have to tell you, the evidence is piling high and it's not good so do you think i wish you were like, like like you mentioned like 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 humans when we were, we're out there colonizing other planets like at that point it's just us playing with a certain set of toys and at some point we have to put those toys away and then evolve you know Spiritually, basically, basically, what just of what I got you got from what you said, that that these maybe these UFOs are another civilization that are still playing with their toys that haven't advanced yet, but yet there's also other beings 
that we maybe can put in the same category as extraterrestrials, or maybe they're angelic or whatever, that are all that are there for our benefit. Uh, it could be. Uh, at one of my uh, meetings, uh, conferences in Washington, uh, a couple women did not like my. Uh, conclusions about UFOs, and they said there are space brothers. They maybe just think of us like ants, and that's why we get stepped on once in a while. And I said, well, then if that's the case, and we do get stepped on by aliens, then it's up to the ants to protect themselves, isn't it? Because the aliens apparently don't care one way or another. They just walk along and step on that anthill. And I said, if they are a space brothers, and another one said, well, maybe they're just have this hands-off policies and there's the bad ones and the good ones, but the good ones are trying to let us evolve our own way and they're trying to stay out of our lives and not bother us. Mm -hmm. Okay, that's fine. But why are they allowing the bad ones to in, to interfere and, and, and bother us? Why are there so many abductions? Why are there so many uh, reports of property damage, injuries, and deaths? Why is all this going on? Why aren't the good people at least stopping the other ones from interfering as well? Because in my attitude, if you are a good person but do nothing, then what bloody good are you? If you stand and watch someone being mugged or murdered and you could do something and don't without necessarily risking your own life and you don't, then you're of no help to me. So whether you're a good person or not doesn't matter. In fact, I would argue you're not a good person because you stood idly by while violence was wrought upon another human being. It's hard to be a good person, though. Oh, none of us are perfect. I'm darn close. <laughs> <laughs> you are. <laughs> oh, I used to be terribly arrogant and, uh, you know, <laughs> now I'm one of the nicest guys you want to be. <laughs> uh, no, it's, uh, it's a case of it doesn't help if they don't help or at least stop the others from being unhelpful. So I count that out. Uh, you're not a good space brother if you're not lifting a finger to interfere and stop the bad guys from interfering. It's like a cop staying and watching someone get mugged. What good is the cop? Who cares? He can go on his way or not. He's not going to impact my life. Now, here's another thing. We may be putting away our toys not because we have to, but because we simply don't want to play anymore. We have reached the point where we can create our own virtual realities that are so perfect that we may be able to choose what reality we want to be uploaded to and live in. Remember, uh, inside of a virtual reality, you're living at the speed of light, basically, because electricity travels at the speed of light. Therefore, you'd be living, uh, and, and since you can't die as an upload, if you, do, if you don't permit those parameters, you could live an infinity of lives virtually in the time it takes a living human being outside of a reality to blink an eye. We could create and manifest in ways that are incomparable to us now, because we would have an eternity in the blink of an eye in the space of a moment. <clears throat> and maybe that's what happens to advanced civilizations. They turn not inward so much as they turn outward to their own constructed realities, which they find much better. You said, Rob, what kind of universe would you like to create? And I told you, maybe we'll reach a point where we can each create our own virtual realities or pick from a, a possible list of them have our minds uploaded to them and live inside those realities. And therefore, this reality, the nursery, will no longer be important to us. Now, could we live forever in that reality? No, eventually power failures would occur, an asteroid would hit or something. But for us, it would be an incomparably long amount of time before that would occur. And in our virtual realities, we could live maybe 
trillions of years? What could we learn? What could we find out? What could we learn to manipulate, control, and be in all that time mm-hmm. in a much better reality than this feet of clay one we're in now? Interesting. If I were to create my own reality, it would be a reality that consisted of nothing but sex, drugs, and rock and roll. And there's no consequences. Well, I can't argue with that. <laughs> All I can say is, when you do create that reality, I hope you allow guests. <laughs> I absolutely will. <laughs> Everybody's invited to the party. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it's a, it, 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 I think it could reach that point. Our video games are getting more and more complex. They're getting more and more real. And we now, virtual reality is coming along. Facebook's renamed itself as the Meta because they're talking about the Metaverse. We may be coming to a new consensus of reality, and it may be our own creation. Yeah. That, that would be interesting. If, do, how about that? Do you think that there's the possibility that, that we're just going to, rather than becoming, rather than being organic consciousness, that we'll become like digital consciousness instead and evolve from there? I prefer ethereal, but yeah, yeah, I, I think that is the way it has to go. Physical consciousness are subject to physical reality, and they die. They have lots of problems. And we say, well, some people are just playing crazy, and they're evil. Not really. If you look at the human brain as a receiver of maybe some cosmic consciousness, if the receiver is damaged, it doesn't mean that the cosmic consciousness is, isn't still broadcasting. It just means that the receiver can't receive the message correctly or at all because it's been damaged. It's like a radio broadcast. Uh, a broadcasting station broadcasts to your radio. You drop your radio and break it. Has the broadcast stopped? No. It's just your receiver that can no longer receive because of physical damage to it. So I think, yes, we're headed towards a non-corporeal existence. I think it has to be that way. It's the only way we can uh, escape the constraints of this universe. I I, I agree that the this physical form is not always cut in it. No, you know, um, uh, who was it? Uh, Socrates he used to have his academy called an academia. Uh, it was a grove of trees, olive trees, where he and his students would talk and discuss. And it was sublime, it was perfect, and he said they would reach the height of physical, uh, philosophical mountains, and they would be discussing the most incredible things. And then one student would say, well, you know, I have to go relieve myself, and he'd go leave, leave the group. And then the others decided, yes, they had to too. And so from that divine, inspired moment where everyone was talking about esoteric things of incredible complexity and beauty to the base call of nature, ending it all, is what we have to deal with as physical beings. And if we're going to escape that, we have to escape physicality. We have to escape the need to eat, the need to sleep, unfortunately, the need to have sex, which is a very driving force, and the need to procreate. We need to become beings that have other interests. Again, we have to put away the toys. We have to procreate. We have to have sex. We have to eat in order to survive. Now, but there should come a time when that won't be necessary, or it'll be by choice. Right. So that's one of the things, too, that is often taught by all the religions is uh, the elimination of desire. Yeah, that's true. Uh, I've always, that always bothered me, uh, because I don't think it has to be the elimination of all desire. 
Can't we still desire to learn, to grow as thinking individuals? Can't is that is it wrong to desire that? Is it wrong to be curious? No, it's not. Well, you say no, but that's a value judgment, isn't it? No, I I know everything. <laughs> you know you're wrong because I know everything. <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> I know everything. <laughs> I'm the guide of this reality. <laughs> that's the trouble with you know one room with a couple of swelled heads, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, uh, that makes it funny. <laughs> it does make it funny, and you need to have a sense of humor. By the way, that's another question. What is a sense of humor? Where did it come from, and why do we have it? Why do we find anything funny? Um, what is humor? Why do we have it? What biological evolutionary function does it serve? I think it elevates us. I, I think humor is something that elevates people probably more than any other thing. You know, cause, well, cause, the grin, you know, the grin, actually, you know where the grin comes from? Your facial grin? No. You're not going to like this. It comes from a grimace of fear. When one ape meets another ape, it will often grimace, which looks like a very distorted large smile, to show the, the dominant alpha male ape that it is showing submission, that it is showing it is not a threat or a danger. It's a grimace, literally a grimace of fear. I am afraid of you. Don't hurt me. You're in charge. You're in control. And uh, a lot of biologists think that the human grin or smile is the evolutionary end product of a grimace of fear. So you think that humor is a fear response? No, I think we now use it as a humor response, but originally it was hmm. a fear response grin. But I'm not, I'm not sure humor has anything to do with it, except that we have now used, we no longer grimace and fear and haven't for millennia. So now we do it when we smile. Haven't you ever noticed that when we approach someone, we'll raise our hand to say hi, open palm, we're no danger. Shake hands, I'm showing you there's nothing in my hand that can harm you. Lifting your visor, saluting, it comes from the old medieval thing of lifting your visor to show your other friend who's also in armor who you are so that you won't attack them. <clears throat> we do a lot of things to avoid being attacked. We have codified it and socialized it as part of our, our uh, environment now. And so we begin to use some things for different purposes. I think the grin has now graduated to being a representative smiling, laughing too. You ever hear ape laugh? They have like a silent laugh, but they actually look like they're laughing. Hmm. And on the evolutionary ladder, they're pretty darn close to us. Does to be conscious mean you have a sense of humor? Does a worm have a sense of humor? A snake? Maybe. I think, I cat, no I think, I, I think cats and dogs. Cat, cats definitely have a sense of humor. I think they're sarcastic is what they are. Yeah. And, 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 and I think my dog definitely has a sense of humor, too. Well, dogs will look at you and they look like they're laughing at you sometimes, especially when their tongue's hanging out. Mm -hmm. But uh, I think dogs are much more loyal than cats. And I say that oh, yeah. being the own owner of a number of cats. Not that I don't love them, but never turn your back on a cat. <laughs> <laughs> cat cats will end up being the true creators of reality. Well, you know, that's the problem with the apocalypse. I, if we end up killing ourselves as a species with a nuclear war, okay, well and good. We had our choices. We made our choices. We had our day in the sun, and we arbitrarily decided to end it ourselves. Fine. We're gone. Do we have to take all the other animals, all the other possibilities of evolution with us? 
Do we have to take cats and dogs and apes and birds and everything else that, that's around with us? Do we have to throw them on our own funeral pyre? Does that make us feel better about our own death to kill off everything else as well? If we have to kill off ourselves, can't we invent something that just kills human beings and only human beings and let the other species go on, maybe take our place and do a better job? It'd be nice to think so. Yeah, we could do that. We create viruses that do that. <laughs> okay, I'm on dangerous ground here. Do you think COVID is a created virus? Um, my answer to that is I don't know. But I do think that um, us blaming, the, the putting the blame on China and stuff like that, I, I, I think it originated here. And I think it originated here in the United States because I caught it in January of 2019 before they even said it was here. And I lived in rural Alabama at the time. Well, they have revised that. They didn't think it actually hit America till sometime in March or so of uh, 2020 really hit us. But uh, my brother died of it in February of 2020. So uh, it was here earlier than they thought. Um, we have statistical evidence to prove that it did seem to come from Asia uh, because of the track of when and how mm -hmm. people caught the disease. And I think it did hit here earlier than we think it did. And it's some CDC members say it did, that they were wrong about that that they had to adjust that figure. So, and could it be man-made? It's possible. It's a variation of the SARS virus. Mm -hmm. And it could be, have been tampered with. But by the same token, lots of epidemics and plagues have plagued humanity yeah. uh, throughout history, including the horrible uh, death of people from the influenza in 1919, 1920. And that supposedly started on some pig farm in Kansas or somewhere in Nebraska. And they thought it was, they call it the Spanish flu because that was the only nation not at war at the time. So it would report on it when no one else wanted to report on it for fear of creating panic among the military because, you know, you're clustering all these people together and you've got this major outbreak. But yeah, it's, um, it's always been with us. So could it be man made? Yes. Was it man made? I question that. Yeah, I don't know. But I don't rule it out. I don't rule it out. I don't promote it. I, I, it's just, you know. It is what it is, kind of. Does it even matter at this point? Probably not. No, it doesn't because we're dealing with the repercussions. It doesn't matter who fired the pistol. It's the bullet you worry about, isn't it? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so before we wrap this up, um, where is the best place for my listeners to locate you? And um, what projects are you currently promoting that you would like to mention? Well, I am doing a horror book called Shadow World, based on the shadow people. It is actually based on some fact, but it is fiction. I'm also doing a nonfiction version of it. Haven't really got a title for that yet. I'm still doing the research because uh, I think it needs to be talked about. And uh, they can find me at uh, Amazon Kindle, at Smashwords. And if you're not on Smashwords with your book, you should be. It's completely free. Mm. And it does it in every sort of publication electronic format not just kindle but also epub and everything else so you really need to get on there with your book and you can upload covers and you can even have links to your print version so you should be on smashwords my royalties from smashwords are not as good as from amazon but they're darn good hmm. so give it some thought okay oh. 
and that's where they can find me, Smashwords, Kindle. And I do have some videos on YouTube if they just want to look at those. Awesome. Well, I'll put a link to your books on Amazon and Smashwords. And it's been a pleasure having you back on again. We have to do it again. Oh, I love talking to you because I get to talk about things I don't normally get to talk about. Hosts usually want to talk about, you know, cryptids or UFOs only and not much else. But you seem to have a mind that soars to the heavens, if you'll pardon the expression. I do my best. You know, I just wing it and let the conversation uh, evolve on its own. Well, just be careful because if you soar too high too quickly, you might end up like Icarus. It's probably going to happen. I don't care. <laughs> well, uh, uh, this, this has to end somewhere, right? <laughs> yeah, in heaven. Right? Okay. Well, <laughs> it was fun having me on. I enjoyed it immensely. Awesome. I don't know if it was fun for you having me on, but it was, it was fun. a pleasure. I always love having you on. I wouldn't keep inviting you back if I didn't. <laughs> well, thank you, sir, very much. Awesome. Just hang on for one second. I'm just going to play the outro. Listen to.